I do, very much so. <laughs> okay, man. All right, so uh, listeners, he's about to partake in his delicious Ninja Turtles pizza. So here, here we go. Here goes the whipped cream. I'm going to make sure you see it. <laughs> oh, wow. You have a pretty healthy portion. i got to get something out of this that I like. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, by the way, it was his idea to put the um, pepperoni on just to kind of, you know, take care of a little bit of the sweet flavor. Yeah, because... And this is just, uh, I don't even know how to just, like, words are escaping my brain. Oh, and, and not to mention, not to mention, you know, this is, we're doing this at, what time's it your way, Josh? Eight? It's about 8.30 in the morning, so this is my breakfast. <laughs> breakfast of champions. Uh, anyway, this is a Saturday morning dose of Ninja Turtles goodness. Michelangelo here, you know, the master of the whirling pizzas. And you, my friend, are listening to Turtle Plates, a bodacious bowl of Ninja Turtles goodness, brought to you by my radical dudes, Rob and John. Cowabunga! Cowabunga, dudes and dudettes, and welcome to another episode of Turtle Flakes. I am one of your lowly co-hosts, Rob, and join with me, as always, is my partner in Ninja Turtle Crime, Josh O'Rourke. Hey, everybody. Nobody's lowlier than me right now. It's just <laughs> That's true. That's true. If I'm low, you're even lower, man. Cause it's you... not working in my favor today. No, so. no. Well, first of all, I, I got to brag on Josh here. I mean, he he's dedicated. <laughs> One, he's got a, a Venus de Milo shirt, uh, which yeah. looks amazing. I really like right, it. Right now. I like the uh, kind of purple background, too. It looks, it looks cool. Yeah. Uh, and also, he's got his pizza. Yes, and it was uh... – well, why don't you describe the pizza for us, Josh? Well, uh, gross would be one thing, but <laughs> we've got a pepperoni pizza with jelly beans and bananas, and it's going to be topped with whipped cream because I forgot marshmallows. I forgot to buy marshmallows. So. Oh, that's that's perfect. That's perfect. That's just as good. And my wife and I have kids. You'd think we would have marshmallows someplace <laughs> because, like, that's, like, the go-to snack. Like, well, they the ate kid, them all. <laughs> the kid wants something sweet and, like, give them marshmallows, and there's, like, no guilt there, you know? Just, <laughs> They're like a negative calorie food, basically. Oh, that's great. That's great. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he's got it. And listeners, just in case um, you didn't, you haven't heard the previous episodes, the whole reason he's got to eat this pizza is because he and I had a bet on issue 60. Because when we had reviewed issue 59, it certainly looked like at the end of that issue, Splinter was going to die. Um, because Kitsune had the knife. She swipes the knife. You see blood flying in the air. But it's all off panel. So, I mean, you never see him actually get stabbed in that panel. Yeah. You just see the blood. And honestly, I was on Josh's side. I thought it sure did look like it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so we read issue 60, which was episode. What episode was that? Was that episode 56? Yeah. 56. Like um, where we reviewed that issue. And Splinter, he uh, he was wearing a Kevlar robe or something yeah. like that. So Comics happened and Splinter lived. Yeah. So. <laughs> So if Splinter lives, Josh has to die. So <laughs> one of us is going down. So oh yes, so yes, so saw me. And listeners, most of the time, I'm, I'm I'm telling you this. I have they call it the Luther luck. Um, I never really win any bets. So this is like my first time to bask in glory. But at the same time, you know, 
I you don't feel bad. I, well, I, I feel don't well. No, you know, I guess I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't, so don't uh, feel bad. There I you would. go, there you go. I'm sure you'll get me back one day. You're like, you eat it and you enjoy it. <laughs> see <laughs> that. <laughs> Want to see that smile from underneath your tears of shame. <laughs> All right, so, so I got I got to ask. Okay, so I I saw the pizza. I'm looking mm-hmm. at the camera right now. Yeah. I saw a green jelly bean on there. What other colors of jelly beans you got on there? Uh, there's a red one and a yellow one. And I actually tried like warm jelly beans yesterday and like burned my tongue. So I wasn't <laughs> really happy about it. But I'm just gonna. I'm. Uh, now, okay. Well, who put the toppings on? Was it you or Nicole? I did. I did. Well, I bought a pre-made pizza. So I just kind of lifted everything up, and I put uh, the jelly beans on it, and the bananas are on top, and I'm going to put whipped cream on top of that. But to be fair, Nicole saw me put it together, so there's no cheating. Oh, I no- believe you. I believe you. Although I don't see any black jelly beans on there. No, that was <laughs> that was the agreement. No je- black jelly beans. No. I know, I know. Well, see, well, see, that was your punishment, though, for not doing it in the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> All no. right, so do you want to go ahead and get this over with, my friend? Yes, I do. Very much so. <laughs> okay, man. All right. So, uh, listeners, he's about to partake in his delicious Ninja Turtles pizza. So here, here we go. goes the whipped cream. I'm going to make sure you see it. <laughs> oh, wow. You have a pretty healthy portion. I got to get something out of this that I like. You know? <laughs> yeah, well, by the way, it was his idea to put the um, pepperoni on just to kind of, you know, take care of a little bit of the sweet flavor. Yeah. His. <laughs> and this is just, uh, I don't even know how to just, like, words are escaping my brain. Oh, and, and not to mention, not to mention, you know, this is, we're doing this at, what time's it your way, Josh? Eight? It's about 8.30 in the morning, so this is my breakfast. <laughs> breakfast of champions. Uh, anyway, this is a Saturday morning dose of Ninja Turtles goodness. And you know what? When I was a kid, I think I would have loved this, but, like, as an adult, I'm like, I'm the dumbest person in the world. <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, good luck. Go ahead. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Oh, man, you took a heck of a bite. Oh, uh, by the way, listeners, he has a pizza chaser right beside him. So what's it taste like? You know what? <laughs> <laughs> You're going to say it's not bad. This is actually not that bad. Pepperoni and banana taste pretty decent. Get out of here, really? I'm not lying. I think the 88 <laughs> turtles were on to something. And all this time we thought they were just crazy. I'll tell you what, buddy. You don't have to eat the whole thing, man. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you took two really healthy bites. I'm impressed. Uh, you here's, are... the, here's the regular piece. I'm going to eat okay. that just to get this out of my mouth. Right, he's got his pepperoni too pizza. Too much whipped cream on it. Right, right. <laughs> what a champ. I'll tell you, i got to brag on my friend uh, Josh here because uh, that is dedication <laughs> all the way. And now he's about to choke. Yeah, I'm going to die right now. Yeah. <laughs> now he's going to die. Live on the show, just for you guys. This is how much of our listeners mean to me. So <laughs> what about that? That is, you know, that's, that's when I knew he was a good guy. Yep. <laughs> Here we go. All right. Cheers, buddy. Oh, is that a turtle's cup? No, this is a Batgirl cup. So. Oh, nice, nice. I got it for Nicole, and it was just the first one I grabbed. So, well, that's. I, I'm proud of you, man. That that was amazing. All right. So, All right. So, that's over with. Finally. Yes, so. that is officially over with. Hey, I, but I, now that I got the video, I want to see if I can somehow put that on our Facebook page. Oh God. Yeah, because see, uh, we got you on camera, man. See, I, anytime I, my Skype recorder will record the video first, and then I usually what I do is I have this um, video to MP3 converter. Mm-hmm. But you know, I can just post a video on Facebook. Oh yeah, before I convert everything. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, you go go right ahead. Why not? Yeah, sure, just... sure. Yeah, so they can they can get it. They, you know, I know uh, our friend Rob, uh, one of our uh, faithful listeners and our good friends, uh, Rob. He's like, dude, you got to post a video of that. I got to see it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who also had a really cool 
collection of uh, figures he posted uh, recently. That was really neat. I can't remember what, exactly what they were, but I remember at the time I was really impressed. Oh, okay. Can't remember what I it was. Seen, I haven't been on Facebook much lately. Just I just haven't had the opportunity uh, to. Busy week. I hear you, man. Uh, that was the same thing for me. But all right, guys. Well, uh, I guess before we get started, Josh, have you had any turtle pickups over the week? Yeah, I did. I got I got two. I got the uh, hardcover collected uh, Batman and Ninja Turtles. Oh, so. I didn't even know that was out yet. Yeah, it came out Tuesday, I think it did. And I forgot how good this... I I read this series once and then I put it down just haven't read it. And I forgot how good this was. This is a really good series. So there's a really great... I think my favorite scene comes on like issue four or five where like Batman uh, explains his origin to Raphael and like how... They find out that they're not too different from each other. So, wow, it's pretty cool. You know, I think I um, and you know, unintentionally, um, I, I stopped around issue three. So I really don't know how it ends. I've, I really have no idea what's going on. So I have them all digitally downloaded, but yeah, uh, uh, I'd love to give them in print. And especially now that they're doing the animated series, that's coming out soon. Yeah, the. Uh... The animated adventures comic, yeah, they're crossing over with the Batman one. Yeah, yeah, yeah that that ought to be pretty daggone good too. Yeah. This one get this one gets really good. It it like I think it's six issues, five or six. Like the last issue just goes banana. It just it's banana crazy. Kinda like so, that pizza. Yeah, kinda <laughs> like that pizza. Better than the pizza, actually. <laughs> oh man, I, I gotta read I gotta read it. That because I've heard so many good things about it. It's it's really it's surprisingly good. Like I, I immediately thought just like a Batman and Ninja Turtles crossover sounded ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know why, but it just did. But then when I read it, it really worked. You know, the writing is really good, and the uh, the art is really good, too. They make a couple of weird choices, where, like, the Batmobile looks kind of like a beetle for some reason. Which I actually kind of liked. I thought it was a really neat take. I, I don't know it, why. I really like that vehicle. It grew on me. Yeah, it did. It, it definitely tried to look more animalistic. when I think because especially since like the Batman Begins and the Dark Knight movies and now with Batman v Superman you're used to a more militaristic looking Batmobile and just like it goes back I think this kind of harkens back to the 90s comics when like Batman was just everything was bat shaped right <laughs> everything was the bat gun the bat bomb the bat grapple you know so it it, it kind of harkens back to that and I like the Batman suit where it looks like I think the artist played a lot of Arkham Asylum and that that looks like the suit he was going for, so it's it's pretty cool. Well, going back to the Batmobile real quick, I always kind of wondered as a kid how long, like literally how long the Batmobile in the '90s cartoon was. Do you remember oh, yeah. that that Batmobile? It had to be like forty feet long. It, <laughs> <laughs> Parallel parking in that thing would have been a nightmare. It had to have been like a good ten to fifteen feet. Oh my gosh! Yeah, how big is that it, engine? Maybe more. Yeah. And yeah, when they showed the engine, it look it was cylindrical. It's like yeah. I don't know how because I remember, <laughs> I remember the uh, Batman Returns movie, which was basically where they got the idea for the Batmobile in the animated series. Mm-hmm. They show Bruce Wayne fixing the engine, and he like, it's he pulls out that little, not little, but that part in the middle of the engine. Yeah. And he just pulls that whole thing out, and it's like this big cylinder is the engine. <laughs> how do you even get that to work? But it's Batman, so you don't ask. Yeah, you don't ask. No, don't yeah. you dare ask. Yeah. Don't ask. No, don't ask Batman. Batman doesn't explain himself. No, he doesn't need to. Yeah, so um, did you get uh, Turtles Universe yet? I downloaded the Turtles Universe uh, book. It was really good. Oh, you've already read it. it. Yeah, I I read it. I read it 
uh, right after I downloaded it. Yeah. Oh, nice. See, I, I was saving it because how about this? You, next week you want to talk about it? Yes. yes okay. I do. Yeah. Sounds great. Sounds great. So next Saturday, that's what we'll talk about because I just got it from the comic book store. And it was kind of nice because um, our comic book store is attached to like the spa right next door. And mm-hmm. it's like this boutique place. So oh, okay. uh, on my way home from work, my wife and I communicate, uh, communicate, commute together. <laughs> we also communicate while we commute. So, you know, I was like, hey, you mind if we pick up this comic? Because I heard it was going to be coming out today. And she's like, oh, yeah, sure. So she sees that spa right next door. She's like, oh, my goodness. She's yep. like, well, if you buy your comic, I'm buying a shirt. I said, deal. <laughs> so, uh, you know, she, she really liked uh, the comic shop and stuff. And then we went to the boutique afterwards. But. I've deliberately not read it because I wanted to focus all my attention on issue sixty one today. But yeah. I can't wait to read yeah. it though. I'm like I'm dying. Turtles Universe, it was really good. I was surprised. This isn't really a spoiler, but because they advertise it as such, but like I was really surprised how much it had to do with the IDW series. Mm-hmm. See, I thought it was gonna be kinda like Tales of TMNT back in the eighties and uh the early two thousands where it was just just crazy stories with the turtles in it. Just right. like you know, whatever they could think of, they just put the turtles in it. And it's not like I was disappointed or anything. I was just surprised because it, it seems like another miniseries. But it's going to be an ongoing series. Now, now, okay, I got a couple questions about it. Um, yeah. Is it an origin story again? No. It's actually two stories. There's two stories in the book. But uh, I remember, I think it was last week or the week before, we had started talking about where's Baxter Stockman? What's he doing? You find out in this issue. Oh. So, yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah. And yeah, the same guy who, speaking of the Batman comics, uh, the crossover comic, I think Freddie Williams the third is that what it is? Freddie Williams the second. The second, okay. Yes. Uh, yeah, he draws this one, doesn't he? It looks like it. It looks like his art. Yeah. I was going to say, it looks like his art style for sure. Yeah, Freddie, William, Freddie E. Williams Freddie the second. E. Williams. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He at least does the covers because the covers are the same. Right, right, and they they, they look great. I, I I like his art style. It's it's uh it's definitely different from um like Santa Luco or Santa Lauco. I never can say it right. Uh, I think or, it's Santa Luco, yeah. Yeah, or Dan Duncan. It's it's definitely different, but I like it. I, I like all for their own reasons. Yeah, it's 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 a pretty. It was a surprising issue because I was I was really surprised how much I was invested in it so quickly, and they introduced a few new villains and uh, some pretty. Uh, I think. Like the main villain, like a behind-the-scenes villain, um, I think it's a character from the 2003 cartoon. Oh, no kidding! So, yeah, I think it's. Well, I don't want to ruin it for you. You got when you read it, we'll talk about it. So sounds it's great. Really man. Good. And also, really quickly, I got the uh, Deviations Collected Edition here. Yeah, this came out the same time as Batman Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Oh, so how much was that? This was like twenty. Twenty. So both of them were about twenty bucks because one's a hardcover and this is five comics in one. I love it. I, I you know I, I see the uh, Optimus Prime on there. I'd love to get in the Transformer comics. I really oh, yeah. would. I've I've always kind of liked Transformers. Me too. And except my daughter likes Transformers Prime and that cartoon is just horrible. So, <laughs> ugh, it's it's bad. It, it really is bad. And. All due respect to people that make that. <laughs> sure, sure, yeah, yeah. No, no offense there. It's just, it's just I don't, I don't care for it. But uh, the uh, the Deviations book, this actually collects the five Deviation comics that IDW put out in May, and you've got uh, the X. It's got an X Files comic, and that one is I haven't read all of these. I bought this basically for the Turtles comic. Yeah, which was amazing. Yeah, it's a, it's probably it's probably the best one in here. I'm just gonna say that right now. <laughs> 
but uh, the X Files comic is what if uh, Mulder was abducted by aliens as a kid and not an adult. Um, oh, cool. What if uh, in the Ghostbusters, how they were arrested, but then released to go fight Gozer? What if they were never released? <laughs> and then Transformers, what if uh, Hot Rod never interfered in the fight between Optimus and Megatron and just Optimus killed Megatron, but now they got to deal with Unicron? Oh, so, interesting. interesting. From the old cartoon movie. That's yeah. I was going to say, did you ever watch the old cartoon movie? Oh, yeah. I've got it downstairs. Oh, man. Yeah. That's a tearjerker. I know. Yeah, every kid, if you're a kid, if you grew up in the '80s, Optimus Prime dying was the saddest thing you ever saw. Absolutely, I, I remember, yeah. and I wasn't even a diehard. That you know, okay, Transformers was a little bit before my time. I know they were showing reruns in the uh, late '80s and early '90s, but that yeah. was a series. Like I missed a lot of the toys when they had come out, but I know I would have loved them, and I know I would have loved the show. I just never really kind of sat down and watched every episode, but I did watch the movie and really liked it. Yeah, the toys are a lot better nowadays, I think. Oh, okay. But, uh, but I I was I basically uh, saw Ninja Turtles first, and I would have loved Transformers. Me too. And, and I, I like Transformers fine. Um, but I would definitely like the, uh, the G1, Generation 1 Transformers. And I was really big in the Beast Wars when I was a kid. That was the uh, computer animated one, wasn't it? Yeah, it came on right before I would go to school. It was like, so when that show was over, I had to go walk to school. So... <laughs> That was a really good show. I really liked it. But and then the last two comics in this deviations book is uh, what if Cobra won in GI Joe? Oh, GI Joe. <laughs> and then the turtles, as we all know, what if uh, the turtles followed Shredder instead of Splinter? What so. a, what the, what an incredible story that was. I, that was yeah. probably my favorite comic we've discussed so far. Yeah, you know, probably yeah. That, just because it just it was so crazy and it made me want a deviations issue too. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm still putting out there to IDW. If you want, I'll, I'll write deviations too. For you. For <laughs> yeah, free. give them a job. Come on guys. Yeah. For free. I'll do it. I'll you do know. it for free. There you go. Free labor. Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sweet. Well, what do you say we get in the comic, my friend? Oh yeah. Let me pull it up right here. Hello, violators. You're in Casey's comic classroom. Prepare to be schooled. Alright, so, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to another episode of Turtle Flakes Podcast Presents the IDW Mutation Station. Love it. Nailed it. Nailed it. Snailed it. Snailed <laughs> it. Genesis Jones reference right there. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this comic book um, kind of surprised me quite a bit. Uh, I'm, I'm really kind of excited to talk about this because... Man, some of the stuff Michelangelo does kind of blew my mind a little bit, but oh god, I loved it. This one totally, totally kind of made up for the last issue being a little underwhelming. Yeah, last issue was yeah right when they wrapped up the Kinsune line and everything. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree. Um, and you know when I saw the cover, I was like, oh, Street Phantoms. You know, I, it's not that I don't like them, but I don't think they're that. I don't think they we suck. As... It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, the reason... and they prove it in this issue again. Right. Well, the reason being like. At least right now, the turtles don't view them as a threat. So why should we, as the readers, view them as a threat? You know, there is a really cool hook to them that I just I completely forgot about it until I reread this issue this yeah. morning. There is a good hook to them to where the technology that the Street Phantoms use was uh, developed by yeah. who's the professor uh, Harold? Uh, yeah, Professor Harold, or I can't remember his last name, but Harold. It's Harold's ex-wife that developed the, the Street Phantoms technology. Yeah, which is really interesting. And I like the way the Street Phantoms look. They look fantastic. They yeah. look cool. Yeah, yeah, they look really cool. 
I'll but give them that. just got a couple of nimrods in the suits. Right, so. right. They just act really dumb. <laughs> yeah. And, and in fact, like, oh, they're just such stereotypes, and they call themselves out on it. Like, there's one guy <laughs> calling calling a truck a jalopy. He's yeah, right. <laughs> Goomba and a mook, and one guy's like, what are you doing, old man? Why are you doing that? He's like, I'm not old. I'm just classic. But uh, you know, you know what the thing is, though? That I guess, What's that? I guess, you know, the more I think about that, I kind of like that about him. <laughs> You know, maybe you just, one, one you of these like days they'll be you good guys. Feel, you don't like it. You just feel bad for them. <laughs> it's called pity, you know. Oh, maybe that's it. Well, you know, it, it makes you wonder if, like, once they get stripped of their technology, if, like, eventually they'll turn good or something like that. You, you, <laughs> no, know, you know what I'm saying? They'll, like, just, they'll just give up and be like, okay, well, I'm out. Right, right. They're, they're, they're kind of like goons like uh, Bebop and Rock City a little bit. Yeah, I know. I guess this is, I mean... This has got to be like a commentary on the 80s cartoon for Bebop and Rocksteady, how they were just so <laughs> dumb, you just kind of gave them a pass. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And not that the characters were dumb, just they were not smart. <laughs> oh, know? right, right, exactly. So they weren't bad characters, they just weren't uh, competent. But they so. were likable because of that. Yes, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and you know what? I, I get what you mean. I'm a big Moon Knight fan, so like when I saw the Street Phantoms, I got a little excited because I was like, oh, man. Can you imagine a Moon Knight Ninja Turtle crossover? <laughs> That's crazy. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And this issue, when did this come out? Uh, two weeks ago? Or? Wednesday. This came out on Wednesday. This came out last... Boy, I've been in the comic book twice this week, or the store twice this week, man. Yeah. I didn't even know that. Big week for you. Yeah, no kid. Yeah. yeah. So I picked this one up, and then uh, about two days ago, I picked up um, Universe. or No, not Universe. Yeah, uh, yeah, universe. universe. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, I'm, I was blanking there. <laughs> I only had one cup of coffee today. I'm kind of struggling here. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, this one was uh, stories by Kevin Eastman, Bobby Kernow, and Tom Waltz, as always. The the big three uh, scripts by Tom Waltz, Dave, I guess it's watched her, uh, and Rhonda Patterson did the colors. Yeah. Uh, letters done by Sean Lee, editors Bobby Kernow, and the publishers Ted Adams. And uh, I, I the artwork once again looks great. I really I love like this it. art, man. I really do. I like this art. Yeah, I, I love the penciling. Just like looking at the uh, apartment buildings where the street phantoms are standing on top of. Yeah, I just kind of love that kind of gritty look. It it suggests a lot more detail than they actually put into it, just by putting like these quick sketchy lines. Right. You know. So that's that's really what I like about it. Yeah. So, so what were the what were the street phantoms up to here? Are they, are they trying to break in somewhere? They're trying to steal an armored car. Okay. I I don't think they get to say what's in it. You just know that they're trying to take it. Right. So it's it's a delivery for their boss, whoever their boss is. We don't know yet. I mean, we've seen him, but I don't I don't remember catching his name. And by yeah. now it was 5 issues ago. I I can't I don't we don't have time to go into it right now. But they're trying to lift an armored truck and or steal an armored truck and they open it up and there's Donatello in there. Yeah, great scene right here. And he's ready. He's got like his electrified bow staff. He's got infrared goggles on. He's got the gravity gauntlet on. Mm-hmm. He's ready for battle. Yeah, yeah. Love, love his gloves or whatever that is on his gloves, too. It looks like a, yeah. I don't know, phaser that's or something a, like that. I think that's the gravity gauntlet. Oh, okay. I got you. Remember that old Ninja Turtle storybook when we were kids and he had that that uh, wrist launcher that like controlled gravity and stuff? Oh. Was that the – that wasn't the crystal one, was it? Yeah. It was oh, uh, okay. the dude with the crystal on the pencil. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's where it came from in uh, the first Donatello uh, one shot in the old Mirage books. It came from that. Hey, nice reference there. Nice. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Every time I see that, I always I always just think of that. I always love that. So just <laughs> like this, 
mutant turtle is somehow smart enough to to actually control gravity. So right, no kidding. Well, you know, and, and this is great right here because finally Donatello has figured out a way to stop the Street Phantoms, you know, because before um, they couldn't hit them. Everything they did, it literally just went right through them. Right through them, yeah. Yeah, but now, you know, that they come inside and Donatello actually trips them with his bow staff, which looks awesome, by the way. Yeah, with purple electricity, of course. Right, and I got to say the coloring here really pops. Like I'm looking at the printed version right now, and man, mm. this is a colorful book. This looks great. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm reading this on my iPad, and it transfers really well. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah, and um, yeah. So Michelangelo or uh, Donatello, he goes, yeah, not bad for a glow stick, huh? And yeah. they they trip him, they trip those guys, kick him out of the van because, and I love how they just kind of drift through the van, um, and then they, they go through the van and end up in a garbage dumpster. Right, in a garbage yeah. dumpster. Yeah, and uh, Angel happens to be out there too, and kind of gives, uh, I guess, Donatello some moral support. Yeah, well, she takes out one of the third Street Phantom because Donatello takes out, and she takes out the uh, the third one who was trying to sneak up behind Donatello. By the way, I gotta say, I love Angel's outfit. I love the uh, the red light too. Oh God, yeah. You know, you know what it reminds me of. Did you ever watch uh, a movie back in the eighties called The Giver? Did you ever watch that? No, I don't think I did. Oh yeah, it's based on an anime, but it was called The Giver, and it was a bioenergy unit or whatever it was. But it was like a, it was like basically like. Think of Venom's am, uh, alien suit, but yeah. it's armored. That's basically what it oh, was. Oh, cool, cool. And it looks very, very similar to Nope to Angel, but it was green. But, uh, yeah, she's, I love how Angel in this comic series is nobody. I wonder if that's going to be her name, like, uh, you know, from now on, you know, at least in the streets. Yeah, ever since the city, I think the city, city falls, sorry, she's been, she's been nobody whenever she was in the suit. Yeah, so uh, during this whole confrontation, um, the the popo show up and the everybody scatters. <laughs> yeah. Wow, we are white. I know. <laughs> too, too white. As if it didn't. As if that didn't transfer well over this podcast. Oh, I know it. I know it. absolutely. We're, we're pretty white. Yeah, well, pretty. Yeah, big time. You should see me dance. I already, I already let you choose the pizza I was going to eat. I'm not watching you dance, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, anyway, so Donatello and Angel scatter along with the Street Fans. They kind of go their own way. And then we, yeah. cut, we cut to a pretty cool little training scene with Jenica and Leonardo, who have become pretty close, looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Jenica gets the upper hand on Leo in this little scene right here. Yeah, you know, he's their sword, their practice sword fighting. So they got the great bamboo. Uh, I think they're called Katsuigi. Oh, Katsugi okay. uh, swords, and that it's a pretty cool exchange between them where you don't know how long they've been practicing, but like Jenica just immediately disarms Leonardo, or at least gets a point on him. I mean, oh yeah, so yeah, there's just a hint of what her skill actually is, right? And you gotta you gotta think Leo's probably it's always kind of a, you know back and forth. Is it Raph or is it Leo? But Leo's probably the best fighter of the four turtles. Oh, he totally is. Yeah. 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 Leonardo's the best fighter. Raphael's physically the strongest one. Yeah. So, or should I say maybe the smartest fighter or most strategic one, I guess? Leonardo? Yeah. 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 Because, you know, Raph, probably stronger in every every single thing, probably has all the tools, but, you know, with his anger and stuff, that kind of, I don't know, that kind of messes with him a little bit. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and I, lo- I love this exchange with Leo and, and Jenica, too, because she says... Um, you know, of course, she still feels really, really guilty about what happened with Alapex in the last issue, um, where Alapex ended up running away, um, probably ashamed and completely confused about what had happened since Kitsune yeah. had controlled her. 
definitely. Yeah, and and really, you know, I agree with Leo here. Jenica didn't do anything wrong. She tried her best to try to talk Alapex out of it, you know. So, but you know, that just shows <laughs> you what kind of heart um, Jen Jenica has. You know, even though she tried her best, she still feels guilty. I think what it is is like she's just kind of she had to reevaluate her whole life, and she questioned a lot of the decisions that she made. Yeah, and she feels like she's just making up for however many years of just bad mistakes. And this is another one, according to her, you know. And she's got a reminder of it because there's a scar, a couple of scars on her cheek. I noticed that. Yeah, I didn't notice that before. Yeah. But uh, and I, I love this exchange here. Leo's trying to cheer her up and encourage her, and uh, and I love this right here. So we're finally getting into Jenica's past a little bit, and she says, "Before I joined the Foot, my my family called me Jenny." And then Leo goes, "Jenny, huh? Well, looks like that's what I'll be calling you from now on, then, because as far as I'm concerned." You are a family. And I think that was really cool. It shows how trusting or willing Leonardo is to trust other people. Like, he he is very op optimistic. He does see the good in people. And, you know, it's – he recognizes the ones that you're – that you should – that you should save, you know? Okay, can I – you know what? I'm just throwing this out there. I don't think this would happen. But would it be crazy okay. if Jenica – this was all an act – Oh, man. Wouldn't that be crazy? Because, like, I like Jenica. I liked her right away. As soon as Splinter yeah. said, you know, save Jenica, Splinter sees something in her. What if she was that good that she's been trying to undermine them all along? I don't think that's going to happen. I don't want that to happen. But, boy, wouldn't that be good writing? That would be really cool. She could just be, like, a a plan B for Kitsune. You know, Alapex didn't work. I got Jenica right there. Oh, that'd be crazy. And Deviations, too? Deviations, too, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't think that happens, and I don't want that to happen because I really like her as a good guy. But, boy, she th I think that's the reason why it would be so crazy that she turn on, um, you know, everybody. So so walking into the, I guess, Splinter's Dojo, I'm not sure what this is, the Foot Clan Dojo, Donatello's fixing uh, Angel's suit. Oh, we forgot to mention, um, the Street Phantoms have a new toy. And what what is it, Josh? They have some kind of, uh, let me check. It's like a gun or something like that. That, that it looks uh, like an EMP gun because all their electrical equipment just stops working. Right, right. It shut uh, shut down Angel's suit right away. So, yeah, which is weird because like you get the impression that Angel is now stuck in the suit. Yeah. And in, in fact, they actually say that when Leonardo and Jenica walk into the the rec room or wherever they're at, uh, Donatello is uh, unscrewing. Uh, Angel's visor on her suit so she can get some fresh air and she says something to the phrase of you know I was starting to think I'd be in there forever but if you go back to the fight with the street phantoms they show her with the visor up after they got blasted by this EMP gun so it probably just a little continuity error but I just thought it was kind of kind of weird uh, just like immediately she opened it and it's shut <laughs> you <know>? yeah right <laughs> But but that is kind of creepy. It's just like you're you're the man in the iron mask now. You're just stuck in there. Yeah, and then uh, Michelangelo he shows up with his pizzas and he's jolly as ever and everything. Mm -hmm. And uh, boy, it's, it's kind of a contrast to what happens later. Let's see. And what were they talking about here? They were talking about they started to strategize here because uh, Splinter starts talking about you know everything that happened with Kitsune, um, and how are we going to get Alapex back? And apparently, April reveals that Alapex had been, um, when the Foot Clan had given her the mutagen, uh, she, they'd also given her a tracking device, a chip, where they could yeah. actually track her down. 
Yeah, which is, you can get one on, a lot of people, veterinarians will put them in people's pets. In case they run away, you can actually track them. Mm-hmm. So that's, our cat has, has one of those in his neck, so. Uh, but yeah, so Splinter, he's talking about, um, you know, strategy. And, you know, and so he sends, was it uh, Raphael and? He sends Raphael and uh, Angel to Angel, go. that's who it was. Uh, get Alapex. Uh, because Alapex and Angel are, uh kind of BFFs and everything. They really, they really, they partner up and go fight crime on the streets together and everything. They have their own patrol. And then Raphael and Alapex taking a liking to each other. Yeah. And um, so Splinter, recognizing that, says that the best way, probably thinks that the best chance we have of convincing Alapex to go, or to come back, is to bring Raphael and Angel. And True. bring them in and send them away. Send them after her. And the thing of it is, is, like, he says that Alapex is heading north really fast, and she's been running for, like, a day. Yeah. And she's on her way to Alaska. It's like, wow, man, how fast can she run, you know? And, like, yeah. Splinter talks about, we have a plane, the Foot Clan has a plane waiting for you to go meet her in Alaska. It's like, I don't think you need a plane, just get in a car, you'll be fine. You know, <laughs> she can't run that fast, you know? <laughs> right. Well, yeah, and then another thing is interesting is he's still, even though Akka had saved the day the last issue, mm-hmm. Splinter's still pretty suspicious. He's like, well, maybe she did that for her own gain in some, you know, tactical way. So yeah, you can't really blame them because they've met no. three of this pan- of these pantheon characters, and two of them are psychos. So yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. So, you know, and that makes me wonder, it's possible that Akka has her own agenda, just like I know Rat King's got to have his own agenda. You know? Oh, yeah, he's waiting for Kitsune to slip, yeah. Right, right. This and, this might be his opportunity. I mean, I, it makes you wonder, because he's kind of been lurking in the background. Mm-hmm. For a know? long time now. Long yeah, time. I think he's only showed up like three times, and only one, outside of the last issue, only once in the main series that I, that I can remember. Mm-hmm. So. And April's like, well, you know, I, I don't think that's the case with Akka, but it does make you wonder a little bit because it made me wonder in the last episode. I remember us actually talking about it. Okay, yeah, so then after that, um, Splinter, he's telling uh, Donatello that he wants, was it, he wanted uh, Donatello to kind of inspect the Street Phantoms technology and what the new thing that they had designed, the the gun? Yeah, they, the uh, counter, the contingencies that they have for the uh, street fandoms, uh, the two, let's see, I think he sends in Donatello and I don't know, Donatello and Harold are going to work together to try to counteract the uh, street fandoms presence. So, which is a good, I mean, this issue, if nothing else, it just, it sets up like at least the next Six months worth worth of issues, you know, right? Absolutely, because you know a few year. a few episodes or issues will be you know Raph and Alapex and Angel, mm-hmm. and then there's going to be some Donatello ones. So, so you can definitely see where it's mapping out exactly what's going to happen. There's going to be all these side stories going on. Yeah, and after that, you get to like you get to my favorite part of this issue. Like, arguably the best part of this issue is Michelangelo speaks up and he says to Splinter. Um, let's see here. I was shocked here. I I was really kind of surprised that he was questioning him so much. You know, I was I was completely shocked. It was on uh, I think page fourteen. Yes. Yeah. He's. I. I mean, you were shocked. I was relieved. I was. I really was just because in issue fifty, uh, the turtles join the Foot Clan. The turtles take over the Foot Clan, 
And so now you've had, and Michelangelo leaves because he's like, I'm not going to be associated with you guys if you're going to be part of the Foot Clan. It's not happening. I don't care what anyone says. The Foot Clan has been trying to kill us off since day one. I will not be a part of them. And he leaves. And um, after a while, he ends up with the Turtles again, fighting off Leatherhead and then fighting off Kitsune. And then in issue 61, uh, he's listening to Splinter's plan. And on page 14, he says, um, let's be honest. This whole time we've been here, you've been saying things like exploit and technical and technical assets and advanced countermeasures and preemptively, and it totally sucks. Whatever happened to protection and defending and honor and all the other stuff you used to say against the foot? And he's talking directly to Splinter. And what he's getting at is the fact that the, the leadership of the Foot Clan has changed Splinter. See, now, do you agree with that? that that's my thing. That, I wanted to talk about this. Uh, yeah, I definitely do. Yeah, because um, as much as I love the, the Ninja Turtles, a constant theme with the Ninja Turtles is they're very reactive. They very rarely ever go out with an agenda True. of taking somebody out. They're always defending themselves or defending somebody else. Something happens to get them involved. And now Splinter's saying, no, we're going to go take out the Street Phantoms. We're going to go get Alapex back. We're going to go take out Kitsune. And that's the way it has to be. Sure, for noble reasons. He says, we have to protect our family. And to protect our family, we have to go take out these threats before they're strong enough to take us out. See, okay, I see. I would have disagreed with you until the end of this issue. Because at first I was like, well, I don't see where they're taking out anybody. I don't see where they're preemptively trying to kill people. I think they just want to find out more about their threat so they can defend yeah. themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't really consider it to be a proactive thing that they were doing. You know, because at first it's recover Alapex. That's a good thing. Yeah. But, uh, the second thing, find out more about the Street Phantoms, where they got this technology from. So maybe we can, I don't know, without killing anybody, without any violence, maybe somehow destroy that technology. So, you know, it can't be used against them. I had no idea that people might possibly die. Yeah. Well, Splinter never... Splinter's very careful. He never says, you know, we're going to take these guys out. True. Meaning True. we're going to kill them. He's like, we're just going to incapacitate everybody. Right. And and I don't know if Michelangelo takes it as the other way, like you said, you know, killing possibly, you know? Yeah. And then Leo and Mikey have a great back and forth. It's powerful because you're talking about two ideals. And I, if you don't mind, I'd like to read these. Um, oh, go for it, yeah. So it says, Leo goes, what's your point, Mikey? We are the foot. Why would Master Splinter speak against his own clan? And then Mikey oh, wait says, a minute. Uh, you, know, you know what we should do? <laughs> you should be Leonardo and I'll read Michelangelo's. All right, that sounds good. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Here we go, radio drama. Radio. Yeah, there we go. So now you're Michelangelo. Okay. No, Leo. You guys are the foot. I don't want anything to do with it. Well, then why are you here? I'm here because you invited me, and because I thought we were having a family meeting, like the old days, not some stupid war council. What's so stupid about implementing a sound strategy? Would you rather we ignore the dangers and just let them control us? Talk about stupid. No, stupid is attacking first. Stupid is looking for trouble instead of stopping it. Oh, come on. Save the drama, Mike. This is serious business. It's way past time that we all grow up and deal with it like adults. Funny. Because that's exactly what I thought I was doing. You know what? Forget it. I knew coming here was going to be a big mistake. I'm going home to the lair. I need some more time alone to figure out 
why if we beat the Shredder, it still feels like he's winning and we're losing. Oh, good line there, by the way. Good line. Man, that I when he, when he said that, it that did make me think, you know. At first I was kind of on Leo's side because it didn't seem like it it didn't seem like they were doing anything that bad. Like they didn't seem yeah. like they were they were gonna be killing anyone. It didn't seem like they were doing anything different than the, than what they used to do. Right, you know, right. You know, it's what they've always done. I mean, what's, what's always like the cartoon? You know, in the cartoon, Splinter would always say to the turtles, "Hey, we need to find out more about you know the Foot Clan. What are they doing here? All these things." That's what it felt like to me in this issue. So yeah, so I guess you're definitely on Michelangelo's side, aren't you? Oh, definitely. Yeah, because you know what? It's never Michelangelo that like speaks up for the team. You know, it, it's usually Raphael or Leonardo. It's buttonheads. It's never Michelangelo. Yeah. With anybody, there's a great scene early on um, when I I think what happens is is like Donatello is incapacitated and he's missing, and the the other turtles are trying to find him, and Raphael and Leonardo are arguing because they're both upset, and they're arguing about which is the best way to go about it about finding Donatello, mm-hmm. and they start arguing and they're almost about to fight each other. And Michelangelo stands up and shoves both of them. He's like, will you two shut up? Oh, yeah. You're creating a bigger problem here instead of solving <laughs> it. You know, and it's it's really cool to see. I think specifically with this series, it's really cool to see Michelangelo get to that point to where he's just exhausted with everyone's complaining and everyone not thinking straight from what from his perspective. Where it's like it, Michelangelo really thinks that everyone's kind of lost sight of what's important where for who knows how long in the continuity maybe two years maybe a year they've been trying to fight the foot clan but now they're part of it he's like no and that's wrong on every level why don't you guys see that this way you know and i can't say i blame him you know he's when splinter took over the foot clan i thought that was a great thing to do to take the turtle story because we've never seen that but I thought he made the wrong move. Really? So, like, I was thinking, if he took over the Foot Clan, his whole the whole purpose was to restore the honor that it originally had. Yeah, but, you know, how many people have been loyal to Shredder, and for how long? They're Not just going to switch allegiances? It's like, as a human, you wouldn't do that. It's kind of like, you know, I really looked up to this guy. He was my idol, and you took him out, and now I have to take orders from you? You know, I'll smile through my teeth for a little bit, but eventually I'm going to take you out. You know, there's there's a whole clan worth of people that could be like that. With the exception of Karai and Jenica, you don't know how many people are actually loyal to Splinter. Ah, true. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right now we've not seen a lot of opposition yet, but they're probably out there. I mean, because that's a heck of an army you've got. That's the Foot Clan, you know? Jenica's just one example of she's turned good, or at least it seems that way. But how many others haven't? And you don't know, I don't think in this one, in this storyline, we know exactly how big the Foot Clan is. I mean, this could be just the New York sector. Yeah. You know, kind of like in the Mirage comics, you had the New York branch, you had you had the home base in Japan, there was uh, foot, co- foot connections all over the United States and all over the world. You know, you don't know how expansive the Foot Clan is in this series yet. And you don't know the vastness of their resources yet. So who knows how many enemies the Turtles could actually have now. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, because I can't... 
I don't really believe that it's just in New York that the Foot Clan are active. I mean, if they started in Japan, they're st- they still have to have some remnants there. Absolutely. That's just me, though. But, I, yeah, I really I take Michelangelo's side in this because there's something very incredibly relatable in this argument that he has with his family that, that just uh, shines to me. It's, it's something that, I mean, I've certainly had a moment like this with my family where, you know, when, when, uh, when I enlisted, my family was not really happy about it, mm-hmm. you know, and I thought they would be, you know, like my, my father's a Marine and I used to joke around, you know, just like, well, he's just upset that I joined the army, not the Marine Corps, <laughs> but, uh, he was, he was just worried about me and we had this moment where I was like, no, look, this is not, I, I shouldn't be here anymore. I should be off doing my own thing. And this is pretty much what Michelangelo was doing. He's like, no, I'm going home. You guys can join me whenever you want, as long as it's not with the Foot Clan, because this isn't us. Wow. And there's, I'm just, and I'm so happy that it's Michelangelo, because it's just like I've said, I know I probably said this already, but you just never see this from him. No, no. As a matter of fact, you think of the 1990 movie? Fight, yeah. fight, kitchen, kitchen. <laughs> yeah, right. Pork rind. Pork rind. Yeah. <laughs> and but it's he. It shows that he's not just the party dude. Yeah. You know, he's he's not just pizza and cowabunga. Even though he definitely starts off the scene that way, it really shows you what he's really about. You know, and how much emotion and feelings and love he has for his family. I mean, sometimes the best way to show someone you love them is to walk away from them. And I know that that is a cliche, but it's a cliche because it's true, you know? Very true. And then uh, I love the exchange with uh, Splinter and, and Casey here. You know, love that exchange. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Casey was kind of wondering what I was wondering. It's like, Casey's like, why am I here? What What do you need me for? Not in a negative way, but he's kind of like, you've got ninjas here. I just fight people with a cricket mallet. You know, what do you need <laughs> me for? You know, and there's a great scene between Casey and Splinter. Which is another reason why I love this comic, this issue, because it's never between Casey and Splinter. Yeah. Casey's just kind of like the crazy cousin that everybody has, you know, just, oh, that's Casey, you know. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah, and, and uh, Casey asks a very pointed question. You know, he says, do you regret killing Shredder? And, you know, Splinter says exactly what I thought he'd say. Yeah. He said, Shredder was my friend. I didn't want to do it, but I had to protect my family. And mm-hmm. if I had to do it again to protect my family, I would do it. So, you know, obviously it was a very, very difficult decision, but in my opinion, he made the right decision, you know. And th- I don't think there was any turning Shredder. I don't think – even toward the end, Shredder wanted to die. Remember? He yeah. asked for it. Um, yeah, he was he was ready because he knew he knew there was no changing him. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And that killed, that killed Splinter to have to do it. But, again, he felt that Shredder was a legitimate threat, and he was, to his family. To his Mm -hmm. family. So he did what he had to do to protect his family. So now we're getting into a very interesting area here because we're kind of getting that gray area of justifying killing. I I side with Splinter killing Shredder. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he did the the right thing. Right, but I think they're having this whole conversation – to kind of almost foreshadow what the Foot Clan's about to do. Because Splinter says something that really was like, whoa, this is 
crazy. So mm-hmm. um, Splinter's talking to Casey, and he says, "Do you do you kind of get what I'm trying to tell you here? You know that I didn't want to do it, but I had to to protect my family." Yeah. And Casey's like, "Yeah, I think I get what you're saying. You're saying that it's a dirty job, and someone's got to do it." Mm-hmm. And then Splinter goes, "Yeah, it it is dirty and extremely dangerous, and not for the faint of heart." And that is why you and I are here, are out here, young man. And uh, I'm wondering if Splinter's basically saying to Casey, I've got a job for you. Yeah, who's he going to ask Casey to kill? Right. It sounds like he's asking Casey to take somebody out. Man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Ugh. Yeah, so w- w- where do we go with this? I mean, could Splinter – I mean, because this is, this is a proactive – I don't. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. If this is where we think it's going, then I am completely on Michelangelo's side. I just want to say real quickly. I know we're gonna we're gonna make some uh, accusations or maybe some predictions here. Sure. sure. There will not be a pizza bet. <laughs> no, no pizza bets. We'll not stop doing there it again. <laughs> so, all right. Continue. I'm sorry. Well, I, you know, I don't know. Who, I was about to ask you. Who do you think it could be? I think if he if he's going to ask him to kill somebody, which, according to the both of us, that's what it sounds like he's actually saying. Yeah. Um, I think he's going to ask him to take out Hun. It's like you you're going to have to kill your father because he is way too much of a threat. Really? No. Yeah. Kidding. Either oh. it's going to be Hun or Old Hob. Well, Old Hob's good now. I mean, well, it's kind of. <laughs> yeah, he's good. He's good when it benefits him, and yeah. I kind of like Old Hob. <laughs> like, he, old Hob, man, you know what? Never thought I'd hear old you say Hob, that. Old Old Hob kind of reminds me of my dad. Oh, interesting. He, re- he really does. Like he, my my dad grew up in a. I I idolized my father. I I spent my whole life trying to live up to him, in a good way. I understand. And and my dad came from just the worst neighborhood. He was. Uh, he grew up in Chicago. He was, as by his description, he was the only Irish kid in a Polish neighborhood, so life was never easy for him. And he dropped out of high school yeah, and went to the Marine Corps, was in Vietnam, saw a lot of bad stuff, and he did what he had to do, you know? And, and I'm not saying I don't like my dad. I really no, do. No, no, but absolutely. there was just something about old Hob that I just could never really grasp and it was just like that's oh my god he's and then when i read the the villains issue of old hob i was like oh man i get it yeah i get it because because of his past that little, and... boy, that little boy's uh mother just grabbing him by the neck and throwing him out my father had a very similar experience but you know yeah. um yeah his mom was not a nice person ah. so uh uh there was just something about it that I couldn't figure out what I didn't grasp about old Hob, and then I did. I was like, "Oh my god, this guy just reminds me of my dad." That's crazy that you bring that up. And how many how many similarities between <clears throat> your dad and my dad there are? My dad uh, had a very very rough childhood. He lived in yeah. uh, Philly and a rougher area of Philly. Right. Um, Is he, there a clean area of Philly? I don't. Uh, uh, I don't maybe, know. Maybe downtown. <laughs> yeah. Wherever yeah. Rocky ran. You uh, well, you're right, right. Yeah, the least <laughs> library part, not the slums. Yeah, but. Our apologies to anyone in Philadelphia. I'm sorry. Oh, oh yeah. Well, I mean, I lived there for, for six years out of my life, and I, and I, I went there all the time. Like, I know yeah. there's some areas that are decent, and there's some areas that are very, very dangerous. And uh, yeah. 
Anyways, my dad had the same exact. It's crazy how many similarities you just mentioned about your dad that my dad had. Yeah. Um, he also served in Vietnam in the army. Saw some crazy, sad stuff. Stuff mm-hmm. he didn't really want to talk about, and he told me at the very end. And uh, also, he had a very, very abusive, alcoholic mother. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. He dropped out of school, I think, in eighth grade. So it, it's crazy how similar our fathers are. That's that's nuts. But uh, but yeah, I. Uh, I can kind of see that, and I'm 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 glad that you know you're starting to kind of see the the good side of of Hun, you know, at least yeah. you know at least where he comes from. I just I kind of I like old Hob, you know, I I really yeah. do. I, I really I kind of like him now, and but Hun just I don't Hun. Uh, after he sobered himself up, did really well for himself. I appreciate that because you know I there's. Whenever you get a character that sobers themselves up, whenever they learn something about themselves, I mean, there's a reason I don't drink anymore. Yeah. Um, it's I. There's something very relatable there for me. But then he just made all the wrong decisions after that. Uh, yeah. She's like, no, don't try to like force your way into your son's life. Just talk to him. Right. Explain where you're at and just wait for him to make the next move. But because he's hun... He just he's used to muscling his way through everything. That's what he tried doing with Casey. Yeah. You know, and but I I kinda think that Splinter's gonna send him after Hun or Old Hob. I didn't think about Hun. I, I actually was like, uh, I don't know if it's gonna be Hun, but then you see the preview for the next comic. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. No. Oh, that's crazy. Okay, so your prediction mm-hmm. certainly looks true because I'm looking at the preview, it's the I kinda skipped ahead a little bit, but the preview, the first the cover art of the next issue is Casey uh-huh. Jones holding his hockey stick beside a brick wall that says Purple Dragons. Oh, okay. Yeah, see, I get the, I get them on my iPad, so I don't get the preview for the next issue. Great-looking cover, but yeah, I mean, I didn't think about Hun until I saw that. I was like, oh, man, you're right. Now, I think course, that's what yeah, it is. Yeah, this is the prediction I get. Yeah, okay. The yeah. bad pizza's <laughs> already been eaten, I, you know. Oh, man, we could have done a pizza bed after all. <laughs> So what we're seeing here is it sounds like it sounds like Splinter he's using that same rationale to kill that he that he used when he had to kill Shredder to yeah. kill all these other villains these other potential threats to his family. Mm-hmm. So in a, in a way that's a very gray area because now they're proactively not reactively now they're proactively killing or at least it seems like. They're going after every single one of these villains. You got somebody well, going after incapacitating. Like they're going to take them down, not necessarily take them out. You know, like, right? Like Kitsune, you've got to find a way to take her out. Like she's just too powerful. You have to take her out. Yeah, definitely. But like the Street Phantoms, no, just break down their organization, send them to jail. That's what I'm thinking. But the dirty job thing, yeah, that sounds like you're taking somebody out. Yeah, yeah, and. Man, I really want you to read TMNT Universe because there's a great line that really kind of reflects the, uh, you know, it's what we have to do kind of thing. And to me, it reflects it. It's where Leonardo's commenting. It's 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 not really a spoiler here, but Raphael uh, says, you know, we started a conflict and there will always be another conflict, no matter what. You know, and it, it really kind of, ties into this one i think it, it to me anyway it really ties into this story where Raphael gets it he kind of there's a moment where he has a little bit of clarity 
and it's right towards the end of the issue, but it's not a spoiler, but he says there's all there's always going to be a new threat. Mm, true. And it's so weird because like that seems like a Leonardo revelation or a Donatello revelation. Right. And because not that Raphael's dumb, Raphael's a very smart guy, but sometimes just anger or frustration kind of blinds logic to him. Mm-hmm. And, like, it seems like a Donatello line where it just logically, well, yeah, we keep making a mess. There's always going to be something for us to clean up. Nah, know? true. Yeah, so it's it's really kind of cool that Raphael came to that. You know, the guy who's always willing to fight realized that, oh, man, we're always going to have to fight somebody. It'll never end, yeah. Yeah, it won't end. Yeah, Foot Clan or not, it'll never end, you know? Man, the end of this issue, well, there's a couple pages left here. There's mm-hmm. two pages left, exactly. And the end of this issue, you know the Street Phantoms are still around because Harold is working on a way to counteract the Street Phantoms' phasing ability. They can phase through solid objects because of the cloaks that they wear. Well, Harold uh, still has... He has three of the cloaks that the Street Phantoms wear. Mm-hmm. And he's got three copies of them, I guess, because, his, like we said, his ex-wife developed the technology to phase through solid objects. And as he's working in his lab, he gets ambushed by the by the street phantoms. And I guess they're gonna take they're gonna kidnap him because one of the street phantoms says to Harold as he's unconscious, he says the inventor says hi. Yeah. And, or she says the inventor says hi. So yeah, what is that what do you think that means? I think the inventor is Harold's ex wife. Ah. I think that's got to be what it is, right? Because he, the only person that he knows of that uh, made a prototype of the Street Phantoms tech, not phasing tech, was his ex-wife. So, and as expansive as the Turtles universe is, it's very close-knit. It's very interwoven. Yeah. Um, one thing always leads to another. There's, it's... The Ninja Turtle. Think of the Ninja Turtles as a rock, and the world that they're in is just a body of water. And it's just it. Everything is because of the everything. Every ripple effect is because of the Ninja Turtles' presence. Yeah. You know. So and everybody that they know. So I, I kind of think that's Harold's ex-wife there. Mm, interesting stuff, man. A lot, lot. You know. You know. I totally agree with what you said because I remember when you were talking about this issue last. Last week or last time we recorded, you were like, "Man, this this next issue is good." And I'm telling you, it opens up a lot of different possibilities, and uh, that's exactly what you hope for in a comic. So, these there's at least four storylines that can, that'll be spun out of this, you know. So there's this is the next year's worth of comics being set up with this issue. Oh yeah, so it kind of it kind of opens the floodgates for a lot of interesting stuff to happen. Especially, I'm particularly interested in. Um, the Alapex um, storyline, and yeah. uh, of course the Casey Jones storyline. I'm, I'm really, really well. Oh, and of course Michelangelo. There's so many different things interesting about this one. So, yeah, it's, it's amazing what one issue can do and how many possibilities it can open. Yeah, and just and just like that, your interest is refreshed because exactly. you know the last. I mean, this is probably what we started with issue 50. Well, we started with deviations, but what we started with issue 55. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, with the Leatherhead storyline started, mm-hmm. and we were the one thing that both of us kept saying was just there's not a lot happening in these in these books. Yeah, there's like each book is like 32 pages. There's about 
26 pages of, of explanation, which is fine, but it's all in a row. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then the last four pages is a couple of kicks, a couple of chops, and a to-be-continued unconscious body, you know? And this one, again, cliffhangers and comas. This dude's knocked unconscious. <laughs> And it says to be continued right underneath him. So right, exactly. <laughs> once again, I mean, Ted Wolf. Yep, <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> so, uh, so how many slices of pizza would you give this particular issue, my man? I'd give this, uh, you know, just I'd give this probably a nine. Mm-hmm. It's it's really good. Wow, that's that's good. You, I very rarely do you give something a nine. Yeah, I know. It's it's not a lot. Uh, like in terms of fisticuffs, there's not a lot of fighting. There's not a lot of big action. I mean, but what the Turtles does best is the interaction with each other. You know, I know I just said 26 pages of explanation, and that's pretty much what this issue is. But it's always so much better when it's the Turtles bouncing off of each other. Exactly. You know, when the four of them are together in a room, because there's always, as much as I love the side quests that they always have, whenever here's the Raphael story, here's the Donatello story, there's always something that's just a bit lacking when it's just one turtle. Right. When all four of them are together and you've got, like, it's like the best serving of Neapolitan ice cream. You know, it's just <laughs> every flavor that you need is there. And it's that's when it's great, you know. And you got the bonus of Splinter, Casey Jones, April. And even April and Casey Jones have a moment here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, a very awkward moment. But yeah, because, you know, they still like each other, but they're still kind of miffed at each other you know yeah. where uh he's not he's he's not going to stop doing things the way he's doing them the way he's doing and uh, april kind of realizes that casey's way too much of a hothead right now yeah it's, it's got it it's got it all i mean i totally agree uh so much in just 30 some pages that set up so much more i give it a nine as well this was really really good for a setup issue i mean this yeah this lays the groundwork for a lot of storylines to come I have a question for you, if you don't mind. Oh, um, sure. When do you think, around what issue, when do you think Shredder will come back? Ooh. Because if they can bring Donatello back, they can bring Shredder back. That's very true. I mean, yeah, and Kitsune's already played with that idea. And you know what? If uh, if you want, if you have it, you should reread, because I recently reread it, uh, read The Secret History of the Foot Clan. Um, it explains uh, Shredder's... Uh, supposed immortality, mm. you know, from feudal Japan and how he is still alive, or at the time he was still alive in modern day New York. He actually wasn't alive that whole time, so it's he definitely just woke up in modern day New York. And right. you were always asking me, we always had the theory that Kitsune and Shredder had a very deep relationship, like a very almost boyfriend girlfriend kind of thing i know that's weird to say it like that but yeah you were definitely right there is a relationship between those two i think they got a little thing yeah they do (laughs) but read the secret history of the foot clan it's really good you know i got the first two issues but how many were there there was like four or five i think four four yeah the the side series are usually four issues right right it's like half in feudal japan half in modern day oh awesome i'll have to check it out there's so many side series and you know what I do miss, though, is the micro-series. We've not gotten many of those lately. No, outside of the very first run, uh, not the first run, but like the first year worth of IDW stories. Yeah. Because they did the four turtles, 
and then they did they had two sets of heroes and villains technically was how they split it up where you had Leonardo Donatello Raphael Michelangelo and then you had Splinter April Casey and Fugitoid and then you had two more sets of villain series where you had Shredder Krang uh, Bebop Rocksteady and a couple of other, I, I think there were a couple of other ones. I can't quite remember. Yeah, there was a Karai issue, an old Hob issue, and two more that I can't remember. I know they, they were always in fours, so. And and that's been it. And I always liked those because, you know, they kind of had the whole Tales of the TMNT vibe yeah, uh, definitely. to them. So, but yeah, uh, man, I'll tell you what, lots of great stuff going on here. And then uh, next week will be really exciting because we get to talk about um, TMNT Universe, issue one. Yep. Oh, Man, I almost forgot. I got an excellent special announcement for us. We officially have a TurtleCom segment. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we, we do. We, we have our own official um, uh, phone number. So, listeners, if you ever want to call in, as a matter of fact, we'll, we'll try it. Um, well, heck, I don't know if that will work with our recording. But if you want to share any thoughts with uh, about TMNT Universe or any thoughts about Issue 61 or anything else that we've covered... Or if you just want to say hi and that you've enjoyed the show, which would be <laughs> awesome to hear. Check us out. Let me pull up the number real quick. I almost forgot the number. Uh, the number is 1-865-309-4875. Um, and as a matter of fact, we actually got, already got a call from Thaddeus Manning. I'm going to go ahead and play this, and let me know if you can hear it. Yeah. Hey, guys. It's Thaddeus Calabunga. Um, my question for you is, uh, for those of you who have played it, what was your favorite boss battle in the video game Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Danger of the Ooze for the Xbox 360 and the PS3? Uh, I'd love to hear back from you guys. Um, let me know what you think. And tell about it. Bye. Were you able to hear that, Josh? Yeah, I could hear it. Yeah, he wanted to know who, uh, what our favorite boss fight from Danger of the Ooze was. Okay, so I've never played it. Have you played it? Nope, haven't played it. <laughs> <laughs> So there you go, Thaddeus. Your answer was no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, we we hate that game. No, it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, one one of those things. Um, there's so many. Gosh, especially from the early 2000s and uh, up to pretty much the the most recent one, Mutants in Manhattan. That's the only one I have right now. But I would like to get Battle Nexus. I'd like to get that one because I hear that's on the the 3DS. I I've not played it. I've not played it. And I'm ashamed to admit that. But uh, if anyone else wants to share some of their favorite memories of, regarding that game or um, some more recent games, call us in. All right. And once again, our number is 865-309-4875. That's our. We'll hopefully have a you know an ongoing Turtle Com segment. So yeah. yeah so I, I like that. That sounds cool. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be fun. So I'll, maybe I'll come up with like a little sound graphic and we can kind of like have our own segment for it either at the beginning of the show or at the end. But yeah, one thing I keep forgetting to do is promote us, all right, and say, hey, where you, where you can find us, okay? So um, we're on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash turtleflakes. You can follow us on Twitter at turtleflakes. Uh, let's see, what else? Oh, and you can always send us an email at turtleflakespodcast at gmail.com, and we are proud members of the Retro Junkies Network. Uh, so if you want to check out a whole bunch of family-friendly retro shows uh, dedicated to video games, um, music, movies, comics, Everything you can think of, check out www.theretrojunkies.com. Uh, we're proud to be a part of that. And Josh, my main man. Yes. I got to pick the pizza last time, so you got to pick the pizza this time. What kind of pizza are we going to close this totally tubular episode of Turtle Flakes with? Oh, man, you know what? I saw this one. 
man, this is going to sound crazy. But I saw a pizza advertised a couple of days ago that sounds amazing. Ooh. It is a shredded beef and cheddar pizza. Cheddar oh cheese pizza. Oh, my gosh. That sounds like a uh, cheesesteak pizza. Yeah, it's like shredded beef and onions with green pepper. Oh and cheddar, shredded cheddar cheese. So, yeah, that's that's what I want to try. I want to try something like that. Sounds good. Something daring. All right. I, I like your style. All yeah. Right. Well, all right, dudes, to do that. So here's the hope, and you enjoy your shredded cheese and beef and uh, onions and green peppers and mushrooms. We'll throw those in there. Pizza. <laughs> <laughs> all right, cowabunga, dudes. Cowabunga, everyone. So, yeah, so this is one oh, that I quickly, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. I'm very sorry. I don't. This just popped in my head, and I wanted to let you know. No, what's up? Speaking of the Genesis gems, they're making a new Toe Jam and Earl game. No, oh, no way, really? Have you heard of that? Yeah, they're making a new one. I don't think I have. I don't think uh, anyone's told me. That's crazy. Yeah, I just saw a little preview for it a couple of days ago, and I, I told myself I had to tell Rob about it because I know you love the Genesis. Oh yes, that's. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's my favorite concert. It's close. It's tied for my favorite. Yeah. Um, when you get a chance later on, look it up. It's uh, Toe Jam and Earl. I, I don't think it's a remake. I think it's a sequel. Is it, it going to be like on PlayStation? and? You know, uh, I don't know. I, I think it might be a, a PC thing. Oh, okay. Play. Oh, so, awesome. That, that's, but it's it's done in like a 16-bit style with the flat world that you walk on. <laughs> oh, cool. I love Toe Jam. That was, that was one of my favorite. Well, that, that was one I actually got later on. I didn't get that when I was a kid. I remember it was out, but I never had it. But I, I want to say I bought it five years ago, and I started playing it. And I love the design of it. Very quirky. Yeah, if, if you ever wanted to know, kids or younger people listening now who didn't grow up during the 90s like Rob and I did, if you ever wanted to know what the 90s was like, <laughs> Token Neural is it. Yeah, play those games, yep. It's definitely like those two characters are just... One's the nine, the other's the zero. You know, it's, it's pretty much what it is. <laughs> yep, that's that's exactly right. 